0: You're listening to the Hub City Church Podcast. To learn more about Hub City Church, including our gathering times, you can check out our website at albanyhubcity.com. So this is starting in verse 22. Immediately, he being Jesus, this is again right after the 5,000, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So first off, like any time we're reading about Jesus, we should always be taking notes about what Jesus does, right? We want to do the things that Jesus did. That's just a good tagline for anything, right? So just taking note that Jesus... Paused here. This amazing, miraculous moment just happened, and instead of now saying, "Oh, good, that's great," I'm, you know, I'm going to go do more, I keep working, and God's moving. What, you know, He took time and He paused and He went to be alone and to pray, spend time with the Father in prayer. It's worth noting, um, but I think what gets overlooked is the status of the disciples. Okay, so rem- remember in the story. Um, they had just come on off of this this amazing miracle, right? They, Jesus had prov- miraculously provided food for a ton of people, and uh, a little bit earlier, Matthew 14:20, uh, we were told, and they all ate and were satisfied. Okay, but. The gospel writers, they don't just write down stuff intentionally, especially Matthew. If you go through the Gospel of Matthew, you you see all these very intentional lines that he puts in there. And it's interesting because the disciples, what they had left over, the words say, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. So again, nothing is unintentional. You could read into anything, and you can also just be like, that's great. They were all fed, and even the disciples were provided for. But it does seem like it's awfully convenient that these disciples each had a basket for themselves, this whole basket, but on the inside there were these broken pieces, right? So this whole basket with these broken pieces. And it seems like this could also be a commentary on the state of the disciples, right? They're whole, they're there, they're growing, and yet they're just full of these broken pieces. And this, this kind of picture is all over the scriptures, right? This here and not yet, this whole and yet still broken state. Now to further the point, Jesus doesn't just miss the boat, right? He doesn't just by happenstance be like, "Oh, wait, guys, I was coming," you know, and they ride off without him. It says he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him. Okay. Remember, apart from Jesus being God, Jesus is also a first century Jewish rabbi, like he can't not teach life lessons. it's just it's what he does, right? So he's always trying to teach them something. So he just had them pick up a, one basket per disciple that was whole full of broken pieces, and then immediately puts them on a boat without him and sends them out to sea. okay Now, recently, I went kayaking with my good friend Gabe, and we went kayaking and uh, and it was it was Peaceful. It was amazing. We got out into the water. And honestly, if Jesus was like, Matt, go in your kayak and go wait for me and I'll meet you in a little bit. I'd be like, Great. (laughs) This sounds amazing. I'll go out there and I just let the let the river take us. It was fun. We were laughing. We were having a good time, right? But what does the text tell us? It says when evening came, Jesus was there alone. This is verse twenty-three, verse twenty-four. But the boat by this time was a long way away from land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. So the disciples, who had given up everything to follow Jesus, are now a long way from land, aka a long way from Jesus, alone and the water at night. Okay? Now remember a lot of them were fishermen by trade, so that they could handle themselves, still probably not the most convenient or comfortable situation. I, on the other hand, am not a seasoned fisherman, and I should also mention that when Gabe and I went kayaking, we decided to be super brave, and so we, wanted, we went in at the Old Spaghetti Factory uh, over in Corvallis, and we were going to float to Bryant Park. Has anyone done this float? It's pretty fun, okay? I don't know how long it took you, <laughs> but we decided to start at 8.30 p.m., Okay, So we're like, we can do this, right? It's like hour, hour and a half. We got this, right? So we get in, and we go, and I'll tell you, the worst part, in the pitch black of night, we got to Hayek part at about 11. Okay, That's where we were at, and that's like halfway maybe, okay? <laughs> the, the thousands of gnats that you run into as you're paddling, we were going backwards a ton. Anyways, not good at the whole fisherman thing. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I sounded like, too, in the water, Um <laughs> So it was not peaceful. The wind was a little bit against us. It was dark. There was these crazy nutria, I think, like jumping into the water. It was crazy. I don't know. I don't even know where Gabe was. He probably is still out there. <laughs> For the disciples, okay, think about this. Again, they're seasoned fishermen, right? But it's dark. They're alone with no direction. They don't know, like, Jesus didn't tell them, I'm going to do this next. I'll meet you down here, right? Peter's GPS probably fell in the water, right? And the waves were beating the side of the boat. The wind was against them. Talk about not a good time. Now, you can think, and we all know we've made a lot of fun of Peter, Peter the disciple, right? He's a little bit headstrong. He's got a temper, maybe, right? You can imagine maybe the speech Peter was kind of like welling up to give Jesus when he comes back, right? Okay, like, oh, well, you think you can just send us out here, like just all by ourselves, right? Okay, so then we get a clue of how long they've been out there. Okay, it says, verse 25, it says, "...in the fourth watch in the night." So real quick, the Romans had this kind of system for the watches of the night. They divided the night into four watches, roughly about three hours each, okay? So this was the last watch of the night. So we're talking end of nighttime, beginning of sunrise. Think like three to six in the morning, okay? So this was all night. They'd been in the boat in the night with the wind and the waves being against them all night. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, being Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, you don't think given this context and the dreadful night of little to no sleep that maybe they were exhausted and maybe not in the right mind, right? They weren't totally seeing things maybe how they were supposed to be. Now, if you're an experiential learner and you might want to try to like get into the disciples mindset, here's what I think you should do. Um, You kind of clean yourself up, Go out, find a God-fearing spouse, marry them, right? Put a ring on it, have a baby, and then let's talk in about a month, okay? Then you'll know what this—I saw ghosts in my house for like five years. Like, just when you're that sleep-deprived, you know what it means. Um, But thank God. Hey, how's it going? But thank God it was Jesus, and he reassures his disciples, right? Verse 27, he says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid, right? But now this is Peter's chance to like rip into Jesus, right? says, oh, it's you, is it? Like, oh, you've come down from your mighty mountain. It's probably was dry up there. Okay. Like, did we have a nice sleep, Jesus, on dry, solid, unmoving ground? Probably, right? But instead, this is what Peter responds with. Verse 28, he said, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, like what a fascinating response, right? He's coming off of a miracle of food and now he sees Jesus walk on water and Peter, I think, makes this profound connection here, right? He makes a profound connection. He says, I see what you are doing, Jesus, and I also want to do it. I see something that only the Son of God could possibly do and yet I'm compelled to join in that mission and I want to be a part of it. Verse 29, Jesus says, "Come." So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. Can you believe that? He walked on water. Have you ever walked on water? Yeah. You have. Amazing, right? He walked on water and came to Jesus, right? In the account of, in gospels, or in uh, sorry John's gospel account, Jesus would then tell his followers, as John 14, "Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do." right? This is just but a taste, right? Peter believed and he wanted to follow Jesus. So even despite his flaws, he stepped out and he walked on the water. He didn't just stay in the boat, but something happened. Verse 30, and when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Right? When his eyes and trust were on Jesus, he was walking on water. And when his focus became the chaos all around him, he started to feel the waters rise higher. But there's the more powerful moment than even Peter walking on the, on the water. It's this, verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Okay, think about that. Jesus didn't sink. Jesus was still above water. Jesus didn't see Peter's sudden doubt and leave him to drown and say, man, you didn't believe enough, right? Jesus met him in the chaos, in his anger for being left, amidst the wind and waves all around them, and he held Peter. He held Peter above the water. In verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand to hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you Out. And I don't believe that was said sternly, right? I don't believe Jesus was was criticizing here. I believe there was this loving tone of a parent kind of watching their son or daughter take their first step, saying things like, Why do we fall, Bruce? Right? Like just things. That was stupid. And then all both get into the boat. Verse 32 And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So think about that. Jesus is holding Peter above the water with the chaos still going around them. Can you imagine that? Just picture that, being held in the water immediately by Jesus with chaos and wind and everything going around on top of the water. They get back into the boat, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And it would have been so incredible, that amazing moment of the world, the wind, and the waves just swirling around Peter, and they get in the boat, and everything just immediately dies down. It would have been very noticeable when it suddenly stopped. Suddenly there was peace. Now, how do they respond? They respond in worship to Jesus. Surely you are the Son of God. What could have looked like a faith lessening situation out in the dark, tired and alone, seeing ghosts, it turned into a worship moment, growing their faith, seeing Jesus. That's an incredible story, right? An incredible narrative. It's very relatable, I think. I want to walk through it real quick. There are a couple aspects in the story for Peter I want to highlight. First is when they're all on the boat, right? This phrase, this phase is when they were following Jesus most likely believing in him, but they were frustrated, right? Why are we here? What on earth are we doing out here in the wind, in the waves? Why couldn't we be back in the land with Jesus? Why are we in this boat? Why couldn't we just have been with him? Can anybody relate to being frustrated or confused? Why is your life the spot it is in? What is God doing? Why did he send me out here? Why did he send me to the place that I am? Does it feel like Jesus is somewhere else far far away. The next aspect is when Peter stepped out of the boat and into the water. This was the first step. The I see you Jesus and I want to do the things you do kind of step. And it works for a time. There's a spiritual adrenaline of sorts, right? In youth ministry world, we call it the camp high, right? That keeps us going for a week or two and we're stoked and we're reading our Bible every day. We're listening to Only Caleb on the radio and, and getting Bible gateway verses every day. But then the world around us starts to creep in. We start noticing the chaos all around us, the the, the waves and the wind that's blowing, right? It's blowing all around us. We can kind of feel the water start to come up. And what happens is we forget why we were so excited to follow Jesus in the first place, because now we're focused on other stuff. But then there's this third part. when We cry out and say, Lord, save me. When you realize that, it's not to let yourself go under. It's to cry out, Lord, save me save me. And what happens? Just like the story, I'm convinced immediately we are held by Jesus. We allow Jesus, who is always above the water, to hold us up, to spur us on, not towards doubt, but towards faith, right? In his mercy, he doesn't even hesitate. He immediately reaches out and saves. So maybe you're here today and you're kind of stuck in the boat to say, right? Oh, with a, with a chaos of the world all around you, the next phase is to keep your eyes on Jesus and step out onto the chaos, away from the little kingdom of the boat we all create in our lives. You want that? You can have it. You trust him that you won't be consumed in it, right? She can say that's okay. Yeah, she's great. She's helping me. Here, you can read this. <laughs> she's really reading it that's amazing you found a new preacher i like it it's amazing well m- yeah maybe you're here maybe you're here today and you say matt i stepped out years ago i feel like i stepped out on the water years ago i had the faith i was there and yet i've been drowning i don't feel held up I don't feel, I still feel like God's away, even though I want to get out of the boat. I want to walk, right? The winds are too much, and I can't see Jesus in my life anymore. I'm trying to do it on my own. My focus is now on everything around me, and it's too much. Then today is the day. Today is the day. Remember, the next step is to say, Lord, save me. I don't want to continue in this. I don't want to try to just fix it myself, but Lord, save me. And here's the deal. When you cry that out, right, it's not, Lord, save me, but in my way, or I will still like, take control. You can just kind of like, fill up the car and I'll, you know, with gas and I'll go, whatever. The thing is, you have to also allow Jesus to hold you. You have to allow the love of Christ to, to be within you and to hold you above the water, right? Remember, as Jesus joined his followers and the chaos around them died down, instead of forgetting why they were following God, they forgot what in the world they were so worried about. They forgot about the chaos all around them because Jesus reminds us who is Lord. He says, "...take heart, it is I, do not be afraid." And I believe this is what we need to hear today. Like The chaos of the world, the message of everything around us just seems so chaotic, but for us, the world is not our Lord. The world is not our King. We have a King who is here with you and with me, the Prince of Peace, that we do not need to fear. Now, thinking about us all being kind of in the same boat, let's use boat analogies here, the Apostle Paul, he later writes to the early church about walking in humility, knowing that we haven't done anything on our own, but it's Christ that is holding us up. And there will be times of doubt, but the unifying powers that God, by his grace, has given his church each other, right? Just look around, just even us, that we would drive out here and just be together, Because we love each other, but also just to be in God's word and to worship him. Keep your eyes on Christ. And Paul wrote this, Ephesians 4, 14-16. He said, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human coming, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that is part of what we're doing here today. So today, no matter where you're at in those phases or if anything in that story kind of connected with you, right now, these are the people that God has given you. This is the church of Hub City right? This is just, this is the community of people dedicated to the Lord to build up one another. And this is where we're at. And it's not based on one person here, but we're all collectively relying on Jesus Christ to hold us collectively together in his grace and in his mercy above the water. And that is the king that we are going to be confident in today and confidently worship in today.